1: It's time, Marcus, for us to help them defeat the Rock, negative you fire insurgency
2: me up, man. In their
1: you lives. fire me up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll.
2: Let's roll. Marcus, we've done it again. Yeah,
1: this is a good one. We've done it again. This is a good one, man. I, uh, one more round, right? But uh I've been waiting for this guy for a while. But, matter of fact, I get to go do something with him. I get to go race the uh, the equivalent of the you, you
2: stone bitch. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Cannonball Run with this guy, I or the heard. Gumball what it's uh, the equivalent of that. So he and I are going to be racing across America together, and uh, I, I can't wait for that to happen.
2: But What's do the it. overview of that? So
1: it's, it's me and him and his race car, and then we we drive across America to all the tracks across the certain states, and then we uh-huh. race on the track for, for time and the equivalent. Of whoever gets the best times wins. It's like a celebrity program. It's cannon, like Cannonball Run. It's gonna be fun, man. I, I was pretty stoked when Millie let me do it.
2: <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? I know,
1: right? I mean, wait, you're gonna let me race a car again? Literally drive like that? It's they probably took gonna that be away so boring.
2: Me? It's not even worth mentioning yeah. again. And now we should probably talk about it. Again, I hope yeah. you come back after this thing, buddy. <laughs> right? What are we gonna do if if you uh, if you don't come back? Well, I got a twin. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I got a replacement. <laughs> I got a standby. Right? Part. Yeah,
1: man. That's that's why I live on the edge like I do because there's a replacement one of me always walking around. <laughs>
2: Oh my Love your god! Brother. Yeah, our guest Travis Pastrana, who is someone who's extremely well known, and I think he is just uh, well—he's made a career out of putting people in wonder of what he's doing and watching what he's doing.
1: That whole explosion of extreme sports when we were kids like, in the yeah. '90s when that Mid-90s? came on the scene, me you know, like Knoxville Johnny, the, you know the Jackass crew, and then all the Pastrana all on wheels and the Nitro Circus crew. Those guys yeah. just took a, I'll never forget when he did that double backflip. So I, was, I remember standing there watching that, having anxiety. I mean, I thought he was gonna die, I'm like, dude, man. I think he even thought that. I remember him <laughs> saying that to his mom or something. And I was like, bro, it was heavy. And uh, I hope you know he brings that up because his, his his ability to overcome the fear and anxiety that that goes into doing those kind of stunts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one thing they teach us in SEAL training is how to harness our fear. That's why they keep us in it all the time. So we'll finally get used to it. But, I mean, some of that stuff, you, there's no gradual end of that one. I mean, granted, I, I would imagine with Austin, well, I know for a fact, you know, being on the movie set, something, they they train, most people think it just that's just out there doing, hey, I'm that guy's crazy and he can handle a lot of pain. There's a lot of, it's an art and a skill and training goes into it hours and thousands of hours, just like like us. For the end result is you know, our entertainment. As they're going out there and pushing
2: that envelope for our entertainment. I don't know. You think? I think that's more of a byproduct. I think they go out because they are <laughs> yeah. seeking this, yeah, right. and they're just they, they're fortunate enough to that, be a, yeah. in a position where they can say, you know what? Turn that camera on, um, and you I'm going to make a living this. out of this. It's right. yeah, so basically just a bunch this. of
1: buddies hanging out, and then we get yeah. lucky enough to see it. <laughs>
2: Pretty sure they would be doing this sort of shit if, without us, right? whether yes. we were watching them or they're not. They built the stadium around them. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the big questions in, in course this came to my mind um beforehand was you know what what is different about these individuals and i was particularly thinking about this recently when i was watching the documentary about alex honnold climbing el cap three thousand feet without a without a rope which just blows my mind i can't say enough about there's no words to explain just to me that's amazing i found this interesting article it's an an ex it's an excerpt from catalyst Titled The Extreme Sports Brain, and uh, was hosted by Dr. Jonica Newby with guest Chuck Berry and uh, Dr. Eric Monserrato, who's a forensic scientist. 20 years studying why some perform optily, optimally or hyper optimally under stress, whereas others collapse under pressure. Chuck Berry is a Red Bull sponsored athlete um, with a, a lot of exploits to, uh, to his name. Now, I'm just going to try to still down the key points here, but they find uh, extreme sports people turn out to be high on novelty seeking and low on harm avoidance. So adrenaline is closely linked to dopamine. High novelty seekers tend to have high levels of dopamine, and potentially what that implies is that people undertake risky or novel-type experiences in order to bring up their levels of dopamine. Now, the other half of this, low harm avoidance, the neurochemistry is less clear, though there's some suggestion that it's linked to low levels of the calming chemical serotonin <clears throat> and people with low harm avoidance are far less prone to the physiological state known as anxiety. Um, Dr. Monstro goes on to say, what I suspect is that the low level of these brain chemicals means that you can deal with a lot of stress without being overwhelmed, when you look at the data within the population of extreme sports people, there's a small subpopulation who are very, very extreme. And I think they're more likely to have all sorts of psychiatric complications. But what really astonished Eric was not that a few had signs of madness, but that the rest had signs of surprisingly robust mental health. Dr. Monserrato says almost all of them know at least one person who has died from their involvement in that activity. Despite all this adversity, they persist in their sport, and that's unusual. What that suggests is that extreme sports people are relatively immune to post traumatic stress disorder. I just thought all that was very interesting, particularly that part in the beginning of the dichotomy between low risk avoidance and novelty seeking behavior. Basically, in my mind, that translates into they're bored and they're looking for just, they're constantly pushing the envelope seeking.
1: Well, you know, to feel alive. Said it just perfect. The low risk avoidance people find out why the high risk avoidance people do the stuff that they do. They just, that, whoever that is, just, just lined it right out. I don't care what you call it, makes for a badass ride. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, people it who, do, everyone's got to diagnose somebody with, with everything they got and tell them why they do that. And then it's not, then automatically all, it's, a, it's a problem. Like, no, nah, you just figured out why I am the way I am. That's what you figured out. I don't care what you call it.
2: <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I have no idea what Travis is going to say in the in the interview, but um, maybe we just keep that in mind as we're listening and oh yeah, and see how much of that lines up. Sure. you know what Absolutely,
1: I'm saying? man. It probably fits all of us to a T. All right, y'all. This is how y'all can listen. Stream directly from our website, TNQPodcast.com, and virtually any other podcast app, whether it's on the iPhone or the Android. iTunes, Stitcher, Podacy, CastBox, and Radio Public. That's where you can find us.
2: Or follow us on social media. So Team Never Quit, you can find us on all of the major social media outlets. Instagram, TNQ Podcast for the show. Marcus can be found at Marcus Luttrell. And I can be found at the underscore wizard underscore TNQ. Or
1: you can type in TNQpodcast.com and listen to us directly to all current and past episodes. We have everybody from David Goggins, Mike Rowe, Missy Franklin, the Dakota Meyer uh mr mark Wahlberg, i love you brother and sir robert young pelton so everybody great. from swimsuits to boardroom suits athletes astronauts i mean we, we we've had a the opportunity and honor to sit in front of all of them and share their stories with you guys so thank y'all for letting us do it uh, we have the merchandise in from hats t-shirts and um i'm probably our the crown jewel of it are the listener write-in stories this is where the kind of the main body of this whole thing exists is what you guys share with uh with uh everybody and like I said, that's one of our favorite elements of the show, and you can find that and, or submit your own stories under the menu tab at Share Your Story.
2: All right, so real quick, let's get into uh, a brief overview of the bio of Travis Pastrana. He is an American professional motorsports competitor and stunt performer who's won championships and X Games gold medals in several events, including Supercross, Motocross, Freestyle Motocross, Rally Racing. He runs a show. Oh, no, it's a circus. It's the Nitro Circus. <laughs>
1: it's the Nitro Circus, right? Yeah, don't Who, even don't um, call it a show.
2: They don't like that. <laughs> and we haven't even mentioned yet. Tanner Godfrey is his nephew, a previous oh, yeah. guest on here. Yeah, is Tanner. The, uh,
1: Hope you're doing good, brother.
2: Yeah. He has previously competed in the NASCAR Nationwide Series for Roosh Fenway Racing, the Global Rallycross Championship for Subaru Rally Team USA, the Monster Jam Circuit in his Pastrana 199 truck. With Nitro Circus, they entertain people by putting on some of the just most incredible motorsports-related stunts That is, oh, It is, there. man. Pastrana himself has replicated three legendary stunts that were performed by Evil Knievel. It's like figure skating on There's a motorcycle. There's also base jumping involved in it. Yeah, it's it's kind of all over the place. <laughs> I saw him ride a trike off of a jump from one building to another. Like literally That's a right. kid's dream. Career highlights in motorsports, actual competition though. Motocross, Supercross. He's a three-time motocross racing champion in the X Games. A natural daredevil, Pastrana has completed in the X Games during his first gold medal, 1999, and from there winning ten more. A champion in four disciplines: freestyle, best tricks, speed and style, rally car racing, backflips, double backflips, rodeo 720s, setting records that have not of things people have not done before in competition. He's also competed, uh, like we said before, in NASCAR over several seasons. He is, believe it or not, he is a family man. He is married to pro skateboarder Lindsay Adams Hawkins, and has a couple. Beautiful children, two daughters, Addie and Bristol.
1: We're going to get along famously. I have a daughter named Addie, too. Check out this
2: quote right (laughs) here. Fear is what keeps you sane by Travis Pastrana. And I want you to meditate on this while we go (laughs) get him him on the line. right.
1: Let's do it, man. Let's bring him on, buddy. Travis Pastrana today, ladies and gentlemen. Travis, thank you for coming on to the show, man. It is a pleasure and honor and a privilege to have you on. We've, I've been wanting to get you to right hear back your story you, for man. a while.
0: <laughs> well, thank you guys for taking the time. You guys
2: got some business coming up here, huh?
1: Yeah, we do. I'm looking forward to it, man. We'll get into that in, uh, in a little bit. Hey, before we start sending questions your, your way and before you start dropping all the knowledge on all our listeners, man, we got a thing called the Mad Minute. It's Basically, we're just going to warm your brain up a little bit with some random questions that we're going to fire at you and remember, just kind of whatever the first thing that pops in your head, just send it out. Sound good? Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, wizard, you ready?
0: Yeah,
2: man, let's go. Fire it away. <laughs> oh, you want me to start? Yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. What is the last thing you were truly amazed by? Cool.
0: Daily basis. Um, we So we have Nitro Circus, and uh, the guys constantly, when you think they can't step up anymore, they do. Right. But this would happen to be a girl. And um, she just came off of a blown ACL. She comes back, her first ride back. She shatters her foot. They said she'd never, like she might lose her foot, almost got evacuated. It was compartment syndrome, all this stuff. And in the end of the show um, over in uh, New Zealand, She's like, I want to backflip it. and there's only there's a huge ramp that only a couple guys are hitting. Literally there's probably twenty guys in the world that hit it. And she hits it and she was afraid to jump it, straight jump it because it is so steep. So she backflips it her first time, uh, goes sixty feet in the air, lands perfect, dials it in, and just one of those moments where she believed in herself and, and no one I mean, I, no one's gonna talk someone out of something, but I was like, Oh boy, this could be so bad and she just <laughs> like, no, I got that and she hit I was amazed.
2: <laughs> did she earn an, uh, an orange hat for that?
0: <laughs> no, she didn't get a medevac out. No orange caps for that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought it was just
1: amazing stuff. You have to have a... No, 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 you have to literally almost kill yourself to earn one of those caps. Oh. That's she why it's it such up, a big apparently. deal,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate that. Aren't you either you, uh, you got medevaced out or, or you uh, did something that no one else has ever done, which you should have got medevaced out, but somehow you pulled it off. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. That, that's Anybody. Brilliant. All right, brother. What's your greatest <laughs> motivator? I mean, I, the, the obvious answer is losing. Um, <laughs> but I, I think the, the greatest motivator isn't necessarily winning, uh, but it's fulfilling your potential.
1: So everyone, uh, for, for every one of your accomplishments, man, you have been beat to death previous uh, up to that point. And a lot of people think, I mean, that's the wonderful thing about watching you and your crew work, man. Is y'all pull this stuff off, and, and, and when you're watching it go down, it's just the most amazing thing. A lot of times, well, granted, y'all are great at showing the pain part too, but it, it really is, man. It's just that beat up and beat down every single day for that for that moment of clarity and that victory that that is worth doing all that for. It's awesome.
0: Well, well th- thinking about this, I mean, I was I was 18 years old, uh yeah, seventeen years, 17, 18, something like that. And um, I had a a really bad concussion. I actually had two bad confessions back to back. This is kind of before we knew about really how bad that was. But, you know, I was like, I'm not broken. Like, I'm going to keep racing. Mm -hmm. Um, And got down to the the X Games. And I went out there and I wasn't quite 100%, but I was like, this is what I have to do to win. But I had three other tricks that I've been working on so hard. And instead of doing what I knew I could have done or what, maybe I didn't know I could have done, but I, I, had worked on so hard. I just did what it took to win, which was obviously that's kind of everyone's goal. But at the end of the day, I've never been so disappointed in myself. I've actually lost. I've gotten fifth at a contest, literally fifth, um, and been mm-hmm. more proud of myself or proud of, of the accomplishment, um, than winning that X games when I didn't send everything that I could, uh, left something on the table, you know? And that's, I, I feel like for me, it's, always going for what you can. It's not necessarily how it turns out, but, but, but just going for it. So that's, that's kind of the, you know, along those same lines.
2: Huh. So that's like, that's the guiding principle that you use over the, more than just say, what do I got to win? It's how far, what can I do? What to self actualize on this? Well, no,
0: the, the guiding principle is probably what, what I rather live with. Would I rather live with being paralyzed or is it worth dying? Which sounds, absolutely asinine to, to anyone that that's not in these things. But if you've worked five, six, seven, ten, fifteen 10, 15 years on something, I mean, granted, no one's shooting at me. So I've got a lot easier than, than most of the guys on the show. Peaks me. and valleys, but, um... brother. Peaks and valleys. <laughs> <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, you, just, you just go, all right, would I rather win this race or take a second in this race and have a chance at the championship. And at the end of the day, for me, and that's why I didn't win a lot championships, probably, was because it was always, I always would rather try and fail than fail to try. Hmm. All right. I mean, it's not the All smartest right. way to go about life, but, but uh, you know, it's, it's worked for me. That's unique. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: what makes you special, man. But So is it the fear? <laughs> because a lot of people, the the fear is what drives them in and. And and pain, right? I mean, it's kind of your your fear of losing is stronger than your fear of pain, correct? Uh, no, my, my, my overconfidence
0: in my own abilities is stronger than fear of pain. <laughs> oh, well, see, that's what happens man. to me, I too, myself, man. I cry. Yeah, but I run out
1: of talent real fast. Like, I'll be writing a mail, somebody, I got this down, Pat, man. And there's no like, gl- like guiding off on my, it's just like literally it, the talent has just stopped
0: and this is it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so. The, the, I'm, I'm gonna need that talent to, to come back here we race together next month man. oh we, no gonna, yeah there's two other there's some good teams out there man we got to take them down bro i'm so well, fired I mean, up JP's about on this. one of the teams, so you don't even know part.
1: man I, I i can't believe my wife let me si- let, she signed off on this so we're gonna have a good time I, she didn't let me out much
2: <laughs> you, well you gotta explain <laughs> what you're talking about now
1: oh here and i racing in uh in the are we allowed to talk about this I guess so, right? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead,
0: man. I well, I mean, I, I, can, I can take it if you'd like me to, but. Yeah, go ahead. Go uh, basically, it. We're, it, it's called um, One Lap America. So it's when they used to race gumball, which was just from, you know, east to west or west to east on the U.S., uh, that's, it's a little careless because you're, you're doing it on public roads. So basically, they go, okay, we're going to get all different types of cars and we're going to stop at all the biggest races, but we're going to make you guys drive you know, something like 20, 22 hours a day. And when you get to where your destination is, you're going to get in a car at a racetrack, but the only time is the count of the racetrack times. So One Lap America, we're stopping some of the the most known courses all through America, but we're also driving the distance in between. You know, not timed, obviously, you just have to get there. So it's no sleep, 10 days, uh, two tracks a day, and I'm teaming up uh, with Mr. Luttrell right there, and we're going to try to kick everyone else's butt in the class that we're in, which I think we got a pretty good shout-out. It and should be all right. You it's, it's just on.
2: you two in the car this whole time?
0: That's right, I think, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: that's,
0: yeah. That, yeah it's really, really sick of me, but yeah, yeah.
2: What are you driving?
0: Uh, we're driving a Subaru, Subaru STI. Got some Yokohama tires on there, not to do the sponsor plugs, but that's kind of our job. So, um, yeah. Well, it's uh, basically the stock class. It's the under $50,000 car class, which, there's some liberty um. in there, but
2: yeah. It, 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 uh, it's it what's under fun. the hood, baby. <laughs> yeah. You ain't cheating, you ain't
1: crying. <laughs> oh man, we're gonna have a blast, dude! No I've been waiting kidding. for this. I could. Even, that's like one of my dreams. Fa- just favorite movie is Cannonball Run, and I always, matter of fact, I was talking to Peter Berger and a couple of guys in LA. And I was like, hey, if you guys ever redo Cannonball Run, I want to be in it. So, hey, bro, if they redo that movie, Cannonball Run, I, we're in it, me and you. Well, that's my be my gift to you, man. I'll pull you that way. We'll have a blast because. uh, that be awesome. Forget the real, just do the real cannonball. Let's do it. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> he really does. He talks about this movie
2: all the time. Yeah, so when you I drop mean,
1: that in my lab, man, I constantly was
2: fired up. Alright, let's, <laughs> let's, let's get back on track. No pun intended. No more serious questions. You've been involved in many sports, and you've been very successful at them, but if you were forced to choose from the following, which would you choose to undertake and master? I'm going to give you three choices. If you need explanation, just ask. Number one, Roman chariot racing. Number two, Booz Kashi, or number three, ferret legging.
0: Okay, I don't know any of the last two at all. Uh, but all right. I would definitely say whatever the last two are, they're better than Roman Syria because see, I don't I don't horses and me don't get along. Well,
2: you might need an explanation. <laughs> I, I like here to right have quick. a throttle
0: or be in control. So what are the second two? I'll choose between those two.
2: <laughs> is that true? You, I think you're going to want to go with the chariot racing. Yeah, Booz so, right. yeah, Kashi yeah. is the national sport of Afghanistan where competitors compete on horseback and fight for control of a headless goat yep. carcass in an attempt to score by dropping it into a circle in the center of the field. That's Booz Kashi. Number two is ferret legging, which is an endurance sport in which ferrets are trapped inside the trousers worn by the participant. It seems to have been popular among coal miners in Yorkshire, England. Contestants put live ferrets inside their trousers. The winner is the one who is the last man standing. The world record is five hours and thirty minutes. Don Katz, entitled "The King of Ferret Legging," stated in Outside Magazine in 1987 that they these ferrets they have claws like hypodermic needles and teeth like number sixteen carpet tags. You know an awful lot <laughs> dig about that. I take it all that. back. I don't know shit, here, man. Here, what are you talking
1: about? Where are you
0: going? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, how are these things actually exist? This, is, this is amazing.
1: You know, truth stranger than fiction. You know what noodling is, right? When you mm-hmm. go down underwater with a catfish. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like, noodling sounds okay. As long as you don't catch a snake, you're all right. I, I, I've had a lot of time in uh, Texas and Oklahoma, so there was, there was some noodling there. No. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord. Okay, I don't hey. think I heard a choice.
1: Oh, you said, other than the two without the horse. No,
0: no, I definitely, I retracted my choice initially, and I'm going back with the Roman chariot racing
1: 100%.
2: Wise man right there. (laughs) All right, Mars, what do you got? All right, bro, Uh,
1: if you could play out a movie character in real life, which one would it be? Oh, John McClane.
0: (laughs) I mean, not only movie character, but, dude, I'm going to go with movie character and superhero. I mean, everyone says, like, what superhero would you want to be? And they all, everyone says flying, but who wants to fly that takes all the fun out of jumping off of stuff? You know, I mean, really, if you just like fly yeah, out of it, like, oh, I'll it. try again next time. Like, well, no, everyone can be awesome.
1: Yeah, John <laughs> McClane, he just keeps getting back up, man. That, hey, that's our go to Christmas movie. Like, I, I literally, w- when have a, lo- a manual, uh, like a big logbook at the front door, and, and when people come over, they sign, kind of leave it, and, and I have in there Christmas movies, man, and December 1st. That's one of the first movies that comes on.
0: Yeah, Die Hard. The original Die Hard has to go on. Awesome.
2: So, number one, is uh, that's the next, that's a, the follow on question to this is which Die Hard do you want to be in? You want a to Nakatomi Tower? Which Towers, day do you want to Dallas die? Hard. What do you want to do?
0: Uh, well, to, to be honest, the first one didn't, you know, if I was John McClane in the first movie, there's, I mean, you take your shoes off, you got glass on your feet, there's not a lot, you know, you got, you're flooded on the top of the roof. You know, I would probably go. With, uh, I mean, Die Hard with a Vengeance was pretty good. You know, there's a lot, of, a lot of fun stuff. There's some driving the car through the park, I think, was pretty good. But cool. uh, getting to fly the helicopter, even though he doesn't know how to do it, you know, probably <laughs> with uh, the Die Hard, what well, was it, Die Hard 4, I guess. I don't know which one which, that called. I think I'd go Die Hard 4. Yeah. You got the parkour guys I, in that I, one. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. The, the first one, though, yep. every stunt in there, I mean, they pulled it off. Like, he could actually have gone through that. Like, that could have been a situation you could get in. I don't know about going off the side of that freaking fire hose. That I, I took some balls, man. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, he, hell, I was, he watched, yeah, I watched Travis jump, do crazier or, shit than that. Jumping
0: out of the, the taxi cab at, at full speed and oh, no, then that having was awesome. it launch yeah, that was somehow awesome. up into the
2: helicopter. <laughs> yeah, you know. That's Chad McClane. Perfect. <laughs> oh, it took down a helo with oh, a cab. Man. All right. <laughs> All right. We need you to pick a mentor. Pick a mentor. Anyone in history or alive today that you'd want to spend a month with? As a personal mentor.
0: Um, you know, I, I've got to go with, with two. The guy that I believe would probably be the best one for me is probably Doug Henry. He's still alive. We've gotten to be pretty good friends with him. He's multiple-time like national a, champion uh, Supercross?
1: motocross. Yeah,
0: go Supercross, hmm. motocross, breaks his back, and he wakes up from being unconscious, broken back, like really severely broken back where they, they thought he'd never walk again. Uh, But he could move his arm. He was thumbs up as he was going across. Two years later, comes back to that same track to ride again, breaks both wrists, like severely breaks them where he walks over to the side with like bones sticking out of his skin and uh, someone had to take his helmet off for him because he couldn't undo anything. Um, And then two years after that, he comes back and he wins the Outdoor National Championship only to go on, be a badass in almost everything they did, raise two awesome kids, wife, and then get paralyzed in another motorcycle crash going for the championship in super moto. Uh, But this time uh, he basically said, he goes, look, he said, there's a chance that I could come back from this. Like he could still feel, had a little feeling um, in his toes. He goes, but I want to spend more time with my family. And comes over to my house, still riding his dirt bike, uh, paralyzed, like only being able to like even feel one toe strapped to his motorcycle and does a backflip into the foam pit um, on his dirt bike. It moves every day to the fullest. I think that guy is, uh, he just has that. Like whenever something bad happens, it it just is another chapter in his life of something else that he can accomplish, and it's just pretty rad.
1: Yeah, man, he's hard. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I grew up on that guy I mean, too, man. To yeah, that. that's he is him, and um, your nephew Tanner as well, man. Those, those guys are there's something.
2: Did you, Did you know that we had Tanner? We had Tanner on Tanner Godfrey. Oh no way! Was on yeah. previously. Yeah. Yeah. No, t- Tanner's. Yeah, we at- had him on uh, about a year ago.
0: Yeah, he's He's awesome, man. It's still strong as can be it's just that like, there's certain people that, you know, they, they break it down like the, the world's over and there's certain people that literally their life completely changes. they will never be able to do what they've been able to do. I mean, my, my good buddy's magical, you know, and he's, he's defied everything that they've said, but he's done it all expecting nothing and just saying, where can I get to? How far can I go? What can I do better today than I could yesterday? And man, you know, it's, it's been, uh, been a really awesome, we had had the, the privilege of, of actually going down, Thanks to actually to, to Morgan, uh, which your, your brother, and the um, uh, boot campaign uh, really helped us out to go down to Virginia High Performance, and uh, we took quite a few of the guys from Action Sports that modern medicine said you guys are you're paralyzed, you're done, and they got them. You know they're not obviously at a hundred percent, but they're doing stuff that that modern science said couldn't be done. And it's just it's just that positive attitude being around guys you know, from steel teams and then different stuff, they're like, yeah, get up. <laughs> what, 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 right, why yeah. are you still sitting in that chair? Why are you doing this stuff? You know, and just being around that positive energy, man, it's, it's amazing what can be accomplished.
1: Man, it's its definitely a give and take. We, we all go, like our generation, man, we all just go so extreme in our own environments, but the injuries bring us back together. Right, you can fill a hospital full of all of us, man, and the stories would just be epic.
2: Well, it gives you opportunity to show your dedication, like, uh, I guess your care and concern for each other. Yeah. Or otherwise, it's kind of. Oh,
0: because when you're recovering in the hospital, care and concern is one word. I, I think also just, uh, just picking on each other yeah, and making there. fun you're of
1: each yeah, other yeah. until you get up and just, that's, that's never the ever and just walk out. It's just so miserable being injured because everybody's messing with you. you. You're just like, all right, I screw this. I'm healing up, dude. I don't care what it takes. I'm, I'm tired of this.
2: caring <laughs> concern comes in all forms.
1: <laughs> What's the worst injury you think to
0: recover from? Well, to be honest, any injury that keeps me away from doing what I love to do sucks any industry uh, injuries now that yeah, keeps me yeah. away from being able to, to walk and just hang out with my kids sucks. I got a tip tip, uh, you know, as soon as the scan, I was, you know, I kind of waved it off. and was like, whatever. But then I had a, I got a, at the time was a, a two and a four year old. And I was like, man, they're like, dad, get up. Like, what are you just sitting there for? So that, that sucked. But, um, to be honest, and this was, and this is something that honestly, I've never told anybody else. I'm going to tell you guys. Um, so, I was actually I landed really badly uh, on a jump when I was 14 years old and it was perfect timing cuz I just started to be really interested in girls and everything and I um uh, I basically ripped the cartilage in half on on my uh you know myself. Yeah. And I ended up shattering my pelvis and uh dislocating my in my sacrum which is basically the my spine Uh, reverse raped myself from the inside. Um, And, you know, I was in a wheelchair for for six months and uh, lost all basically kind of control of my lower extremities, uh, which took about two years for that swelling to go down for everything to work. So everyone thought I was gay. And then for the time from 15, 16 and 17, I, I loved women still, but I, 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 Nothing was working, so I was really embarrassed to like even talk to them. So I just really focused extremely hard <laughs> on no on training and working out and and everything else, and it really set my life apart from everyone else that was going through those teenage years. So probably the best injury run. I've ever had. Dude, I had that. <laughs> and dude, I had that same injury.
1: So did Mojo. We broke yeah, our I backs, man. He, but I, I, to... luckily, I was older. <laughs> I was I was already past the teenager where you where it, you know he, he it wakes up before you do and I, I was in my lazy days like it's a it's a good time to break that shit when you're older.
0: <laughs> I just lay there and You yeah, No, man. but it was, it was the worst time and the best time because I was just I skipped everything else that everyone else was concerned about. I was like, well, that's embarrassing. I'm just going to go ahead and ride dirt bikes. Yeah. Um, and then it came back, which was was even better. So that was that was nice.
2: That's really amazing. You know, I
0: as, mean, a, as a bonus,
2: the, the reason that you really feel that that is you really feel that's something that. That helped propel you ahead while everybody else was focused on other stuff. It completely took him out
1: of the reality that
2: uh,
0: every one of us. Has I, I've, up I've, and... never, I've honestly, I've never told anyone other than you know my wife and a couple of good friends about that. So it's just, you know it's pretty personal there. But yes, I honestly think that that was the biggest motivator of what are you going to do th- this morning? Hey, you want to go hang out? No, girl comes up. Hey, you want to hang out tonight? Yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm going to train instead. <laughs>
2: Yeah, if you read uh, like Malcolm Gladwell's uh, Outliers, he, he talks yeah. about how and he goes back and kind of chronicles uh, people that have just become exceptional in what they do and determ- you know, tries to objectively determine and quantify how they got there. And it's these unusual little circumstances piled on top of each other over time, which cumulatively contribute to their you know, overall uh, outstanding nature. So I th- that's probably an indication of um, one of those things for you and how you rose to where you are. That's Very a good question,
1: man. That's a good job bringing that up to you, man, because that is true. A lot of us who become extreme on one side, it's because something extreme happened to us on the other. Right? It blocked something else out and kind of drove us in a direction. Yeah, you know? of the, of the norm, unusual. All right. yeah, I mean, unusual. Yeah. Well, cool, man. All, All right. right, that's the Mad Minute. Great job, brother. So now we're going to kind of get into the meat and the potatoes of it. And, uh, again, thank you for coming on i doing this so our listeners they come in and they uh, to listen to our guests talk about how or how extreme and how wonderful or extremely wonderful your lives are and your ability to share it with everybody else. So we're we're kind of all just excited to hear you talk about some of your greatest moments of trials and tribulation or your greatest moment of n- being in a never quit situation. So if you would please share some of those moments with uh, with our listeners.
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, honestly, most of my, my greatest moments probably came when I was uh, racing the outdoor national championships. I was 16 years old. It was kind of living my dream. I was racing all of my heroes. i looked up to my whole life and, you know, coming into the the championship for the outdoors, I broke my thumb in the first race was running second. When I broke it, got up, uh, still finished the the race in fourth, um, which is a little easier to do because you have that adrenaline going, you know, if you have a, a, it wasn't, uh, big bone, obviously <laughs> the thumb, mm-hmm. uh, it still hurts, <laughs> but got up and, and finished that race out. But, uh, the, the next weekend it's swelled and, you know, i in a cast and everything. And, you know, I was like, oh man, like, this is, this is a horrible way to start a championship series. Um, and the next mm-hmm. weekend was just under 110 degrees, Sacramento, California out in the, the you know, the middle of the desert pretty much and take off and the first race leading the race all the way to the end, you know, thirty five minutes in and the bike breaks. Oh. So you're just completely exhausted. You know, I had um where my, my hand was actually completely blistered up from everywhere the cast was, just picture you're in a sauna so you're you know, you you got you're really blistered up. You're you're hurting you blood everywhere basically from that. And at the end of the day, um, you know, you start the next race with zero points. You think your championship's done. And I got in the first turn pileup, uh, which means you basically just completely crashed, got run over by half the field. And you know that only the top 20 out of the 40 riders get points. So, you know, I was like, oh, this championship's over. It's done. The doctor said I shouldn't be here. And I was, you know, I just got up and I said, all right, you know what? I'm just going to finish this race. I'm going to do what I can. And about halfway through the race, I made my way into points, which was, was awesome. And there was people passing out on the track. There was people passing out off the track. Like the fans were passing out. It was just wow. so hot, and ridiculous. You know, I hadn't trained or practiced the, the week before. Not that That's a, a huge deal. But just because of the the, the thumb and um, the the glove. There's so much blood on the glove that I couldn't. It was completely covered at that point the the grip. So it was just sliding everywhere. So I reached it up in my my mouth and grabbed the the glove off and threw the glove and just I mean just there was no skin left anywhere. Um, on the the top of the arm where the cast stopped, and the bottom, kind of where the, the your calluses are on your hands, on your fingers, like everything was just completely worn away from uh, you know two forty minute motos and uh, re- really hot weather, running a heart rate of you know about one ninety for for that time. A lot of that's adrenaline, but it's still it's pretty demanding, and everyone just kept yeah. fading off and fading off. And I just thought, man, I'm in I'm in pain, but if I'm catching people, they're more pain than I am. And then up second in that moto. And the difference between first and second is three points. I won the championship that year by two. So basically every single person that I passed in that moto allowed me to gain the championship. If I had passed one less person that day, I would have lost the national championship, which is the only national championship I ever won. Um, so it was you know, in the, the pro division, the outdoor national motocross championship. So it all came down to getting up after you've been run over, you're beat down, you're broken, everyone says you can't even be riding out there, and you believe in yourself, and you get up, and you say, I'm going to get everything that I can, making two passes on the last lap. Yeah, it sucked. I mean, my hand, I still got scars in my hand, but you know what? That, every time I look at that scar, I think that's what allowed me to... Win the championship to make it that in history, if you will.
1: That's that's absolutely amazing. I know because when I watch you, man, I'm just like, dude, you do some stuff. I'm like, man, I I I thought I just man, I I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I just wouldn't freaking do that, man. That (laughs) is some crazy ass shit, right? So I mean, where does that come from? Let's back this up a little bit, man, because we all know how we watch you. But where did where'd that start, man? Was your dad or your mom or your brother? Anybody? I mean, Mm -hmm. that they instill that in you at a young age, or.
0: Well, I mean, my grandfather was my grandfather was, uh, was Goldenville boxer in uh, the U.S. Navy. He was actually a cook uh, on the USS Hawkins, and uh, he he was one of the, the few people in uh, World War II that got thrown off of uh, a ship. He said uh, Good it was what? That's a horrible mutual thing misunderstanding. It's <laughs> <There's> uh, <laughs> a mutual misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. and um, he he, tre- he tread water for two hours you know, off, off the coast of Japan and they actually turned around and they found them in, in the ocean, which was, uh, which is pretty cool. cool. Um, and he still had his shoes, which everyone was making fun of him because they're like, you tread water for two hours thinking you're going to be lost at sea. And he kept his shoes. He was like, well, what was I going to do if they, they, they came back? So that, that was pretty funny. But yes, yeah, so my granddad, you know, was golden glove boxer. My dad, or my uncle was quarterback for Denver Broncos. Uh, the whole family was definitely tougher than they were smart, but I feel like that goes a long way in what we do and and kind of, you know, pushing ourselves. And it's not about, it was never about winning or trying to be the best. It was about trying to one-up all your friends and trying to be the best in the room, the best in the, the state, the best in whatever race you're doing. And if you couldn't be the best, you had to do the biggest jump or uh, the craziest thing. And that's why most of my family never made it too big in anything because they were always hurt too much to uh, to be great. But uh, luckily for me, in action sports, that's not really that far of a downside. So worked out all right.
2: So, what was it like growing up in that culture? And if make, you could, yeah, can exactly. you distill that into like some some, I guess, points of, you know, it was the building discipline. Was it just not being, you know, risk averse? Was it building, you know, a sense of, ex, you know, extreme competition? What was it that was uh, at play there as you were growing up in this before you got to, you know, when you were racing?
0: You know, it's really interesting growing up. So, my dad was part of a family construction company. He was one of nine. So, they had six brothers, and the oldest brother was quarterback for Denver Broncos. And, you know, the, the other five of them uh, worked construction. And every day after work, they would go and they'd ride motorcycles and four wheelers and cars and anything they could around the shop, basically, race pretty much NASCAR style ovals around the shop. Uh one of my uncles uh was into uh drag racing pretty heavy and they were all motorheads. They they loved everything like that. Uh the problem was so I'm six two, about you know, two hundred pounds. Uh all of my family was six two, six four, uh, two twenty, two fifty. So even growing up, I was the runt of the family. So I needed a motor. I needed something to differentiate myself from the rest of the family. Like when we have Uh, basically Thanksgiving, you know, you have football and whatever the girl was, that was two years younger than me. My younger female cousin was who they paired me up with. Like I couldn't throw, I couldn't catch. Um, I got knocked out every time I got hit. You know, my granddad was, uh, they were all boxers and wrestlers and everything. And I was this kid that couldn't do much. And, but I wanted to, and I really had a lot of passion. So I got beat up a lot. And what I wanted to do was to outshine my cousins, outshine my uncles. And the only way I could do that was with a motor or by going higher, doing more flips, doing something that they weren't willing to do. And I realized that I was extremely durable. Um <laughs> it's a flex. I know that that sounds <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it sounds funny, but like a lot of people, they hit their, they crash down a set of steps, they break their arm. I crashed down a set of steps. I bounced back up like Gumby. Um, you know, I just I fell and I fell and I fell, and you know, same thing with most of my family. They were just extremely durable people. I hit my head enough to to kind of have a, a glass jaw, if you will, so like boxing and that kind of stuff was out. But at the end of the day, I realized that I could take more of a beating than anyone, could, probably from getting my ass kicked over and over again by my uncles but at the end of the day action sports was this perfect thing where if you took more risk than the other people if you were willing to try what they weren't willing to try and do stuff that no one else could think of you could kind of combine this thought process of yes am i willing to try that is it worth it for me yes and am i tough enough that if i fail i can get back up and try it again that was a really awesome environment to be brought up in for action sports and how it took off at that time.
2: Yeah, you can see how, you, how that would be a big contributor to your development. Yeah, I get it.
1: I mean, cause you, and you revolutionized the, the X sports. I mean, I, I, we grew up, Sam, anytime you'd hear anything about the, the, the something like that going down, your name was at the top of my mouth. Man, I'll never forget when you busted that double backflip out. I was watching on TV, man. I was sweating like you were. I was freaking out more than you were. <laughs>
2: I was like, "Come on, man, do it!" You were probably more worried than he I was, was. I
1: was, man. I was sweating it.
0: But uh, I'm glad you made it. <laughs> it you know, it's a, it's a rare moment. In, it's a rare moment in sport when you can do something that everyone else understands. I, as an athlete, as no matter where you are in life, there's always that thing that you're, everything that you got is on the line. But for most people, they'll never understand what you're going through and to have that that moment where my grandma's watching on live tv and everyone's talking about it and it's a sold-out stadium um to be able to land something where everyone understood what was on the line that was that was really cool dude
1: you th- thought you were gonna die <laughs> i mean i was sweating like i was like man i don't want me to pull this off just, just, but god dang it that's that's that defining moment man and it's that it's kind of the Fear is the fuel for our willpower, right? And, man, you you either you're just scared shitless and everything that you do, man, and you just go at it 900 miles an hour, or you have somehow figured out how to consume that energy because, man, when I watch you jump out of that freaking airplane without a pair, let me tell you something, I'm a Navy SEAL, all right? And I jump out of airplanes for a living, and it terrifies, I I can't even... I'm not a fan of that, bro. And when I saw you leap out of that thing without one, I was like, "That's the dumbest crap I ever seen in my entire life."
0: <laughs> oh, I love this guy. No well, one was shooting at me. It was good. <laughs> uh,
1: but that's, the, that's um, the Great part about this, man, and about kind of all of us is that does it. it it's like, you, man, we each do things that just make make the other one cringe. Like, I can't even believe you would attempt that, man. And but what it does is it gives life to all of us. I mean. You would pull us out of our reality watching you, man. You're, the stress on you would – I wouldn't even think about what we were doing. And that's the, kind of a give and take. You think that our job's hard. Well, yeah, man, it is. And then we're extreme on our side, just like you are. On, I mean, each one of us drove the other one. It's like a perfect circle that revolves around. We would we would watch you to motivate ourselves to go out and do what we needed to do. And, and it just kind of – it's funny how it just – it all kind of feeds itself, man. And you're the most humble guy I've ever – come across seriously that's and i'm I'm paying you a compliment on that one because you truly are all your accomplishments and and everything that you do that and it's just like yeah I don't, i've never seen you come out of that just that good old boy attitude man and i think that's that's something that that, that pulls you through life so don't ever lose that brother
0: we get to ride we, i get to ride toys for a living man it's, it's a good deal but you know confidence i think and that comes from practice and that comes from repetition and you know that's what everyone says how can you go into something knowing that you know you might die you might get hurt you might whatever because you've practiced and you've taken so much time and so much effort and not just me but like i mean i can imagine you guys you trust the guys around you i hate to even compare nitro circus to to military because i mean there's there's no comparison like there's no one trying to kill us except for us (laughs) but when you go out there you have a you know, a guy in a, literally a guy in a wheelchair is jumping the same jump that behind him, a guy in a, um, you know, a car, and then the next guy's a motorcycle, and the next guy's a bicycle, and then a rollerblade, and then you got a, um, uh, you know, a snowmobile. And if anyone messes up, you know, everyone gets landed, and everyone is, you know, get, gets hurt or, or worse. But you practice, and you have that confidence in the people around you that they're going to do their job, and they're going to look out for you. And if someone believes in something, really believes in it, like jumping out of a plane without a parachute. That's, it's really simple. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. It's against the law and everything, as it turns out. I found that out later. But um, <laughs> you, uh, you know, you believe in the people around you who were all military. I'm like, well, you guys don't leave a man behind. Just like, you know, if you miss me the first time, keep coming back, right? You know, um, <laughs> but you know that you've done it three or four times with a parachute on and they always got there and you always knew that it was going to work. So it's, It's one of those things where if you practice enough, it takes the fear away, not because you don't think anything go wrong, but instead of worrying about what could go wrong, you're focused on what you need to do to make it go right. And that's the difference between the top athletes in the world and the top guys in what they do. It's you get hit the first time. And some guys are like, Oh, that hurts. Like I, I can't do what I need to do to avoid that. Um, where, you know, we'll be in the air you know, you're doing a a 300 foot jump. literally the world record is going down this year, you know, 450 feet. So you're going 140 miles an hour on a dirt bike and you're flying, you know, a football field and a half. And at the end of the day, if it's going wrong, you have to be able to jump off of that dirt bike. Literally make the decision to jump off and land the best you can, you know, at 130 miles an hour, dropping seven stories and and try to just break your ankles and maybe your back instead of breaking your neck and and, and, and you know, dying. Yeah, you know, it's a situation that most people won't put themselves in, which they're probably smarter than we are. Um but it's also a situation that defines a, a human being. I mean, my dad always said, you know, well, a couple of you can never coach. You have to you feel get back up and if you say you're going to do something, well damn it, you, you follow through. And that's probably my biggest injuries have come from, you know, saying I'm going to do this jump and then realizing it's probably not going to work. And then trying to figure out right. how to make it work as best you possibly can without killing yourself.
2: That I think that's a lot of the picture, but I think something that got missed in there was it's a mental control though to be able to make a decision when things go wrong because things go wrong. I'm sure you've had quite a few things and all the events and, and stunts that you've pulled off where, in the split second you had to just react and make a decision that made the difference between serious injury or death, and either walking away or just living. Right?
0: Yeah, I mean, and or, I mean, literally on this podcast with the lone survivor, and that's there's a lot of people that get. I mean, not to compare anything like that, but there's certain people that I would trust my life with in any situation because they're going to find a way to to get out of that situation. I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff that's obviously beyond your control in so many scenarios, but you know, you look at a guy like Andy Bell, definitely not the best driver, the best rider or anything. I would get in a car with Andy Bell at any time of the day. And it doesn't matter what it was because that man is like a cockroach and he will always figure out a way that even if he's crashing and even if everything's going down and everything's gone wrong, he will find a way to make it. Hurt the least that it possibly can and end up as best as it possibly could. Where most people kind of mentally, they're like, it's all bad. And you're like, yes, you have to mentally understand that it is all bad. But there's some situations that are much easier to live with than, than others.
2: You think that's a learned trait?
1: Well, we, we, uh, or do you think that yeah, it that can comes be naturally? Well, you have the natural guys and you guys have the, what he described, you, what you just described is, is what we do in our community. We don't start with a double backflip, man. I'm gonna start by learning how to sit on this damn motorcycle, right? And then I'm gonna learn how to sit on it so well that I, I mean, I do it better, almost better than anybody else. And it's, when you break every step of that down. By the time we get to the end of it, it's short steps, so you're not, you're not skipping anything. So there are, you, you kind of, you train out all the, the, the extras, anything that we never train for defeat ever. I mean if you're thinking about that you shouldn't even be there. <laughs> I mean you you can't do something unless you know there's both sides of this. It's that love of the opposite. So the more extreme the pleasure, the more extreme the pain. The trick is to have a good time right through the middle of that. You know what I mean? Mm. And anytime those variables kick in and then even the ones you can't see, the most dangerous thing is an is, is is an undisciplined human mind and an untrained one. And it's just premature panic is the sign of an immature mind too. And we all have the love for something, but it's whether or not you can, you can tell if somebody truly loves it because they'll take the time to train in it and, and really appreciate every aspect of it as it's mm-hmm. better just joy in the end part of it. And that's the difference with somebody who, who lives the life as opposed to somebody who likes watching it. Man, it's, it's in the same thing. It's, you tell us, you know, gunfire and all that stuff. But, man, by the time we've gotten to that point, we have been trained so much that it just – people always ask us what we do. Like, hey, when you get in there, I'm like, man, we go, it goes down just like we train. You bleed into that moment. You become everything. That you have put into that moment, and you know at the end of it, you see whether who's put the most work in, and that's kind of the reward it's a justification of how hard you've pushed yourself through life
0: hmm. and you're the living embodiment of that no i I couldn't agree more i mean it's you know it's it's very obviously it's very different, and there's very different risks and, and factors involved in in what we do, but it's really interesting, especially when you when you walk that fine line you know of, of what's possible. But there's, there's always going to be – when you're the first one to do something uh, or you walk into a room that you <laughs> don't know exactly what's on mm-hmm. side, you um there there's, there's things that you, are, you cannot be prepared for. And sometimes it's, a, it's not a winnable situation, but at the end of the day, you go in believing that you can and believing that you're prepared enough to, to do it. And no matter how bad it gets, you're always yeah, – I think that the most scared that I've ever been in my life, jumped into the Grand Canyon, motorcycle, hit a ramp, um, was trying to trick,
1: God, uh, jumped off that. it,
0: and oh, I had a parachute. Um, I know,
1: but still, it was a Grand Canyon.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you know, you, you got you eight seconds before you hit the ground from the takeoff. So at like five seconds, I was like, oh, i still got time for another flip. And as I was flipping, I saw the motorcycle, I jumped off the bike at like four seconds. So I saw the motorcycle above me, and I was like, oh, crap, the bike's above me, I can't open the parachute. So I looked back up, and when I looked down, everything went in slow motion, but I'm about, Luckily, it was a really steep cliff that I was about to hit, but I'm um, about a second away from a cliff. Yeah, the Grand Canyon, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's on the side. <laughs> so, but I, I look down and I, I, as I'm throwing my parachute, I've got about one second before I make impact to the ground. I'm thinking, huh? Takes about a second for the chute to open, and that was the only time I've ever been scared out of my mind because at that point I had already done everything that I could do to save my life. And I had thrown that parachute and that second took forever because instead of, you know, you're always adjusting, you're always working, you're always moving something. And I was just dropping for that last second going, please open, please open, please open. And it got just enough open that I only broke my ankle and tumbled down through a cactus field. Straight. I was going to
1: say, one second, that's like a burble. Is that all it was? I don't even remember now, man. But it, 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 felt like, it felt like 20,
0: but yeah. Well, but usually you're like, even up to the point where everything's gone and they're, you know, you, you broke it, you're, you're always fighting for that last bit. Like when you throw the parachute, like, I'm just waiting on wind. <laughs> you know, right. like, catch the parachute, <laughs> let's do this. That may have been
2: why <laughs> you... Yeah. Oh, wait, gets
1: to that damn thing.
2: God. That might have been why you're so concerned, just because, well, there's nothing else I can do here other than hope and pray.
0: No, no, that's what I'm saying. That was exactly why that was the scariest moment in my life, not because, well, I mean, it probably was close i have been to death, but like, <laughs> there was nothing I
1: could do about it. <laughs> Close to death, brother. Death has a been riding a shotgun beside all of, most of us. I mean, some of the time... I'm sitting here watching some of the videos. Speaking of that grand I mean, canyon, kind of, Johnson, man. It's a relative
2: thing. It, and this is... I just want to ask you this question. So is there—is there anyone who, when you look at them, that scares you or that you see doing things and you say, you know what? I don't know if I could handle that. And... um Let's just take your all wife, kids, loved ones off the table as possibilities for that. But is there anybody you look at uh, you know, say, mm, "Nope"?
0: To to that, I mean, anyone. When you say uh, wingsuit jumpers, it's a, they're skydivers, base jumpers specifically. You know, uh, Scotty Bob is a guy that he just he pushes it, but you don't get a second chance there. Dirt bikes, you mess up, yeah, you probably break your wrist, maybe an ankle, a lot of knee. Like you're you're gonna be all right. Mm-hmm. You know, with base jumping, that that doesn't really happen. But as far as close guys to me, it's not that he's not calculated. It's not that he doesn't work extremely hard. um But Harry Bink. So we do like seventy or so Nitro shows a year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes five, even six a week. Where, but every Nitro show, that crowd, that's the only show they're going to see. And it, it sounds silly, but like they want to see the biggest, the baddest, the craziest. And if you're the best, like you're Ryan Williams or Harry Bink, you have to do the biggest tricks in action sports, the biggest tricks out there on the biggest ramps ever made. And you have to do it not just one night. You have to do it Hmm. five nights in a row while you're sleeping on a bus, while you're probably doing press at 6 a.m. But you probably have to do at least one or two after parties a week. You don't have to drink or anything, but that's generally what kind of happens. You're you're, you're running on – yeah, you run on zero sleep, and yeah, you're living the life. But at the end of the day, you still have to perform, and it's still your life that's on the line. And I think Harry Banks, probably the only one, um, like as a joke, he entered Australian Sp- uh, Spartan with two other guys from Nitro, and they ended up winning the team uh, Australian Spartan, which is like the it's 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 pretty ridiculous. So like to to win like for for Australia, like he's one of the toughest guys. outside of sport, like just, you know, in, in running and, and, uh, all the other stuff, but just as an all around athlete, but this guy, he always wants to do everything so big. And I sit down with him every night. I'm like, look for your job. You don't get paid any more. If you do a double backflip with a variation that's never been done or or you skip tonight, you know what I mean? You you can call in sick. You can say, you know what, I'm sore, I'm beat, I'm tired, and that man has never caught in shoots. not one time. As you said, you know what, I'm going to skip this on the shift. Every time, we all kind of line up, and it's the rider's option. You know, if you go last, you have to do something bigger than the guy before you does, and you can line up first. And mm-hmm. when you line up last, two, three nights in a row, you're expected to line up first. Matter of fact, you're expected to take the night off and just say, you know what, hey, you guys, fill you know, take up the slack. Harry, he's he lines up last. Every, he'll fight for it every time to do the biggest, craziest, scariest tricks. Knocks himself out, gets back up, and he's back in the next night. And um, yeah. it's not that I, I have so much more respect for him than, than pretty much anyone on the face of the earth. But you know, you got to keep talking to him. dude. <laughs> hey man You can survive through this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's probably the guy that I think. Not that I think he's going to die or anything, but I just he's um. He's a badass, and he's, he's the biggest badass on tour.
2: Yeah, he is. That reminds me of a of a quote I've, that I've got here from Chuck Berry. who's a Red Bull athlete. I'm sure you know more about him than I do. But he says, there's a voice on one shoulder going, why are you doing this? says, you're scared. And the other voice is going, yeah, but I like being scared. Does that speak to you?
0: It does. It, you know, I feel like most of the guys that get to the top of these sports, especially Austin sports, they're, they're not – Necessarily, everyone defines as thrill seekers or this and that. They just they want to push themselves and they want to find their personal limits. If I'm not scaring myself, then obviously there's more there. So it's not that I want to scare myself, but if I do the same thing every night, it doesn't matter how risky it is or, or how good or bad or indifferent it is. It, it's not, I don't ride to do the same thing that I've already done. I ride to do something. And I don't care if it's in front of a million people on live television or if it's in my backyard, you know, in front of just one or two of my friends that are probably going to pick me up and take me to the hospital. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it's about trying to do stuff that that you believe can happen, that you've worked towards, and that you want to prove to yourself that that maybe you got the balls to do it.
1: Yeah, right, man. Show me what you're afraid of, and I'll show you what you're made of. My favorite line, dude. Yeah. I've actually never heard that one. That's amazing. Yeah, You can borrow it if you'd like. (laughs) We're going to be rolling together. You're going to hear me say that. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to say a lot of crazy (laughs) crap while we're going together. Bro, Just get ready. (laughs) There's no telling what's going to fly out of my mouth. It's going to be on. I'm so fired up about this. It's going to be a good time, man. Hey, bro, thanks for doing this again. We'll we'll start to wrap this up a little bit, but at the end of this, man, if – what we like to do is kind of go back and, if you could, just go over a couple of the points that motivate you and get you through your kind of day to day routine that you could pass down to uh, all your fans and all your and all of our listeners, please.
0: Yeah, I'd say wake up every day with a passion, and I tell you, I've, you know, it's seen everywhere, all over the news, and kind of especially with artists and bands and uh, action sports and, and sports in general, a lot of suicides. Man, a lot of a lot of my close friends, you know, when you you get where you you do stuff that's you know, in military as well, especially military. You do stuff and you're with this, this group and this you know, and you're doing everything that you love to do, and then one day you find yourself waking up and you don't have someone telling you what to do. You don't have that really that, that camaraderie had that, you know, in, in Nitro Circus we've all done something where if the other person messed up, that, that affects you greatly. Your mm-hmm. life is literally in their in their hands and, and with the military even even more so, mm-hmm. obviously. You know, it's to find that – and it doesn't have to be what everyone else thinks is cool. You know, to find that thing that you wake up and you're like, this is going to be awesome. And that's – honestly, I've turned down so much money that I, I probably regret at this particular juncture. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, not really, but like you, you follow your heart. And my dad always said, he goes, look, because you're going to end up working construction with all your uncles and your cousins. But he said, every single day that you can wake up and do what you love to do, ride that train till the wheels fall off. But even if you're in construction, whatever you're doing, if you can find something that you love to do and just focus towards it, man, I tell you what, that has made my life, my dad, as stupid advice as that was, and as much as it didn't make any sense (laughs) business-wise along the way, it's been what's kept me sane. It's been what's kept me focused. And it's been why I've been able to continue on and, uh, I feel like you will never be the best at anything you try if you don't truly love what you do.
1: All right? And help. Think about that. Mm-hmm. When you go out and you, you've done this extreme sports, you rewrote the you rewrote the book on the whole sport. And at the end of it, if the worst thing that happens is you go work construction with your family, that would be awesome. Just sit out and just and start. That's your. I mean, you guys, your own nitro circus. You were born with each other. That was actually a compliment. I mean, I, my dad didn't leave me crap to go back to. <laughs>
0: i don't think my my, my dad would take me back right now he'd he'd, he'd get over there and shovel
1: that's how you get in shape for hole digging is digging a hole my dad always told me
2: (laughs) (laughs) this is a question that when we found out we were going to talk to you i just wanted to ask you because um i was watching his documentary recently and i'm really curious uh, what is your opinion of somebody like Alex Honnold, the free soloist, the guy who just who climbed El uh, Cap without, you know, with no ropes, no assistance, yeah. or anything like that?
0: Actually, that was the ne- that was the next uh, documentary on my uh, my wife's list. Actually, no, but I mean, like, I think what the, for me the most amazing part about that isn't just that he's doing it, but if you look at like he's not just a random single dude with no friends and no anything. It is like the, the people that actually filmed him and helped him. Hell man, that like, hmm. that's a lot of people taking on a lot of responsibility and they have to have so much faith in, in him that, that he can do it. That, I mean, that's, in, that's more inspiration. Okay. To, to do it and to have the, the, um, you know, the, not just the willpower, but the strength and the, the actual talent to be able to do it is amazing. But hmm. like, if you're, that inspiring and you're that well-prepared as a human being that so many people believe in you, that love you, that want to see you actually fulfill that goal. That, that's what makes that really inspiring to me.
1: So I guess I, huh. I've been, it's been on my list to watch too. I guess now I'm watching it tonight then it's, oh, it it's needs a, watched. All right. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Thanks for the hot tip on that, bro. I just got done watching the highway, men. The flu caught me last week. So if you hadn't seen that one, it's pretty good. highwayman Nice. Actually, I have, yeah, no,
0: I definitely watched that. The high, who's, who's it, or what, yeah, the, the highway
1: about? men. It's about the uh, Texas Rangers who caught and killed Bonnie and Clyde. It talks about Bonnie and Clyde in there, but they're not the main people. They're the, the these it's about the two Texas Rangers that are chasing them. And it's uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson. And it's they do a great job. It's pretty good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Those two comics, man. <laughs> you 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 sold me. <laughs>
2: I think that's really poignant. your your comment about that most people would say something like, I can't understand the, how he maintains that focus or how he doesn't just lock up and freeze, or you know he's terribly concerned and perplexed. It's really interesting that your take on that was that other people had so much confidence in what he was doing that they were able to support and be around him I, that's that's why I asked you that question because uh I knew you'd have a different perspective so thank you for that.
1: Oh man, you always got to look at men who's filming that <laughs> <laughs> somebody's got to follow around it's. Man, the only reason all of us have ever been successful in the lives that we've had, and those of us on here, is because of our teams, everybody around us. They push us and pull us through everything. I mean, and then they get us through the hard times when we're hurt. They remind us how strong we are and why we're there and everything we have inside of us because they like to see us perform as well. And that's the joy in it, man, is watching each other perform, trying to outperform each other. And it's just a, it's a cool thing to happen. So, brother, thanks again, man, for coming in on on a weekend and doing this with us, man. That was a that was a great job, good show, and I can't wait to to link up with you and do this. <laughs> We're gonna make one for the books, I promise.
0: Yeah, it's-, it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I'm I'm sorry you're stuck with me for so long, but I definitely appreciate. They were like, "Who do you want to go with?" And I was like, "You know what? I want to go with someone that's going to be really interesting. <laughs> this is going to be awesome." So oh, bro,
1: everybody that. has been t- They're like, oh, you when they find coming. out I'm doing this, they're like, you're, "You're going, you and Travis." He's like, "Do you know him?" I was like, "No, nah, no, nah, man. We, just, I mean, we just kind of texted. Just met my brother." He's like. You're going to be in a car with that dude. I was like, oh, man, we're either going to be best friends or, like, two old couples. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was like, trust me, man. I not a lot with God. anyone, but I just, I'd love to. I was actually, I was thinking, you were last time strong. Let's see some stories. And if not, fuck it. You don't have to talk. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll text
1: him and tell him I beat him out on this one. He'll probably be upset about it. But next year, let's we'll see if he can beat my times. <laughs> Oh, cool, man. All right, hey, brother, thank you so much. God bless you, man. Love you, and I'll see you soon. We're out of here.
2: All right. Thank you. I got this. Yeah, thanks, Travis. You know what? He delivered. You're going like to have he always more does. of those conversations when you're sitting in the car with him for...
1: I know. I can't wait. He I want to dig knows. out everything. I'm a- <laughs> I
2: wonder if he's going to scare the shit out of you.
1: Probably. That's all right. I'm looking right.
2: forward to hearing a story about
1: that's, that. That's my thing, man, my fear. <laughs> I live in it. <laughs> it's been a while since I've uh, oh. had to get out there. and We need a dash cam when you do this thing. I'm sure they'll be everywhere. The facial expressions are going to be epic, I'm sure. It's going to be fun, man. We're going to have a blast. I can't wait to uh, – I mean, that's just kind of an overview. That's, we're going to talk about all that. We'll have to have him back. You know I'm what? Sure. We'll bring him back on after the race. We'll
2: talk about it. If you two are still talking. Yeah. That's a lot of time. Well, exactly. Like anybody.
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
2: <laughs> no, we will be. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You really
1: know. You can find out a lot about somebody, and if you like him, on a road trip.
2: You were talking about being underwater in STV for extended periods of time. Right. But you don't really have the, the, uh, the, the need to talk. To no, fill, yeah. Plus, there's no comms. There's really
1: no comms. It's just yeah. you, we learn to speak our own language and hand signals. and. Uh, I think you hate
2: his music. What if he loves... It's a race car. There's not so a radio in it, is there? You hate? ...some music that you hate. What oh, well, that's the beautiful thing about those,
1: those earbuds.
2: What if you find out that he plays uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the most absurd music while he's actually driving?
1: Well, hey, but that's how I roll. I'm like a battery, man. Whatever he's listening to, I'll, I'll, I'll morph. I'll, I'll get into it. I'll have to do so. What music
2: are you going to play while you're racing? Um... That's a
1: good one. Oh, my, I have my driving music laid out right here. It's uh, a lot of Roy Jones Jr., some <laughs> Snoop, um, okay. Metallica, Guns N' Roses. They both are about blues. Same age, right? So it's yeah, probably going to hip hop. I got well. everything And my driving music. Mm-hmm. You know, from Eye of the Tiger to.
2: <laughs> you are an eclectic music guy.
1: I am. That's, that's another reason why. I, I mean, I enjoy all types of music and foods and all types of people. Man, it's fun. This could be a car racing adventure. I always want to go on one. Yeah, just like the uh, the doctor said in the opening there, I just diagnosed him with what he is, man. He's just an extreme on that side, and you saw that there were certain moments in his life that that propelled him in that direction. It seemed like it, mm-hmm. if one of those things wouldn't have happened, he probably wouldn't have turned out the way he was, but they were defining moments, and he had to go through them, And and it, whatever direction it pushes you, that's your life. It pushes you, so en- enjoy it, live it to the max, and don't be afraid of anything that's in it. And that's kind of how those guys live their life, man. They're purists in every sense of the form of energy, man. They just balled up and got to find a way to throw it out there. Following your passion.
2: Yeah, he's a great example of what happens when you follow that passion. And everything seems to fall in place behind that.
1: Sure. I mean, in everything we do, it doesn't matter if you're a doctor, you sit behind a desk, or if you're an extreme athlete, or if you're a Navy SEAL. And throughout your path and your job description, we either get hit, hurt, fail, fired, Whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call that hard time, mm-hmm. we all go through it. It's designed that way for a reason. It lets everyone know who really wants to be there because it's, you just can't have all good times. It's not the way it works. But once you learn how to enjoy every moment and just look at it as the broad time, there's not good or a bad time. There's just the times. And you learn how to enjoy every moment of it. Whatever's going down, you guys figured that out. So good on it them. I've enjoyed has. watching them.
2: It certainly it has. Let's do, some, uh, let's do some housekeeping here.
1: You got it, brother. All right, this is how you can listen. Stream us directly from our website, tnqpodcast.com, or virtually any other podcast app on the iPhone or the Android. From iTunes, Stitcher, Podyssey, CastBox, and Radio Public. That's where you can find us.
2: All right, and for the people who go in for social media, you can follow Team Never Quit. It's a good place to start. All the major social media outlets. Instagram, one of those in particular. TNQ Podcast is where to follow the show. Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, and myself at the underscore wizard underscore TNQ. Or
1: just type TNQpodcast.com and you can listen to us directly in all current and past episodes. We've had everyone from David Goggins to Mike Rowe, Captain Charlie Plum, Mr. Laird Hamilton, Andre Agassi, basically board shorts to uh, the briefing room in suits, right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all the suits from astronauts to it's athletes and incredible. everybody in between, man. It's been a blessing to, to, to hear every one of these adventures. So thank you for that. We also have merchandise from hats to T-shirts, so please check that out. And listeners, this is probably our favorite thing about it, and it's basically the body of this whole team that we've created here, the Team Never Quit, and that's the, um, the listeners and their write-in stories. They share these with us, and it's, it's basically our favorite element of the show. And it's their personal Never Quit stories and, and how they got through them. And you can find those or submit your own uh, under the menu tab at Share Your Story.
2: Yep, and uh, we have one of those right now, so I'm going to get into it. This is from Robbie. Dear TNQ, I've been following your podcast for a while now. It is great what you're doing. I was born in South Africa. Dad was in the military, and I'm sure you're as you're aware that in the late 60s and 70s, it was not a fun time there. It came to a head when Dad took his work Jeep to a neighbor's in order to check the Avery. He frequently had to shoot snakes, etc., that were in there. He ran out of gas and had to walk home. That night, the house got bombed and we left and had to settle in Mum's home country of New Zealand. Now, I've been a martial arts coach most of my life, and and after 20 years of teaching Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, I badly damaged my back, lost my business, left my wife, and found myself homeless. After two failed surgeries, learning to walk twice, 16 pills a day, and non-stop back spasms, I found myself crawling around the house for years. One day after being stuck on the kitchen floor for hours, in the worst spasm, I climbed up on the bench and sat there with a steak knife on my wrist. I even rung my mom crying and said I'd found my limit. I couldn't take it anymore. That day changed my life. I really had to dig deep. And I had to find the strength to do it. I needed a reason, and that reason was my son that I never see, and the desire to stay alive and push through to be able to see him again. I threw out all the painkillers, I decided I needed to stop drugging myself to really truly understand the pain in order to deal with it and crush it. It happened just that way. As soon as I dumped all the pills and cleared my mind, I found it so much easier to deal with. Eventually, I got back on my feet, but I turned my life around and saw the light at the end of the tunnel and took a hold of it with both hands. I'm now a mountain bike coach and running a bike-related business. The strength of persistence bestowed on me by my father has kept me alive and thriving. Persistence overcomes resistance is my motto. There's no strength without struggle and any progress is progress. I live by these sayings every day. Amen, brother. Those are great sayings. No strength without struggle and any progress is progress.
1: That's right. Amen. I mean, it's just like little battles. climbing the mountain. You start at the bottom one hand or the other and, and just and learn to enjoy every single moment that's uh, surrounding you and when you know kind of when you do that man you, you you learn to survive in every moment that's around you and and see the the joy in it and I mean these two guys they they embody that that's that's uh that's a tough road to come out of man sometimes those mm-hmm. with, with those pills and everything those, that that rabbit hole a long way down, but it's not impossible to come out. You know, we all do it. Just we need the help of everybody around us. And then once you see what's going on, you push forward and Charlie Mike, man. And it's uh, it's something to be a part of. So thank you for writing and sharing that story with all of us, man. And Travis, thank you again for coming on. I can't wait to uh, get in the car with you. It's going to be epic, brother. To everybody who keeps coming back, man, and listening to us and allowing us to bring these guests on here, man, thank you so much. We don't have the words to describe how special you are. And we just want to thank God and Christ and everybody that loves us and to us and, and, and helps us on our journey. So thank you. I'm out. Amen. We're out.